Hey everyone, welcome back to another vibrant episode of Create with Kendra, a place where you can be inspired, challenged, and changed in one show. And we praise the Lord. Y'all, guess what? If you looked at your clock, if you looked at your calendar, it is the first week of Black History Month. Welcome to Black History Month. Welcome to the celebration of Black ontology, the simply being Black. I'm so excited. I'm going to be on 10 for the rest of the month, but I just absolutely love to celebrate and I love to acknowledge the history, the culture, the achievement of Black folks around the world, okay? Y'all, this this week, the week after that, as a matter of fact, of all February, I'm going to give you all of the goodness of the blackness that I can possibly give y'all. That being said, every week in the month of February, I will be sharing a black history fact with you all just to contribute to a little bit more knowledge or remind you of how amazing we are. So our black history fact for two day y'all black history did not begin with slavery but did you know that africans were world leaders before the transatlantic slave trade we led the world in scientific innovation literary production and wealth creation did you know that africans had to go to europe to teach them cleanliness did you know that the pythagorean theorem Hello, if you were in, uh, what, what was it, geometry, that that was created by African people. Did you know that Mount Rushmore was copied after the African kings that were carved into the walls? Did you know that we work, that we come from a rich history? Did you know that we came from world leaders? I want to remind y'all, our history does not begin with the transatlantic slave trade, but that we have been movers and shakers in on a global scale since day one. So I just want to celebrate. I just want to acknowledge what we have done as black folks in this world. I am just so full. Um, as some may know, I am a black studies professor. And so when black history comes around, I just extra super geek out, but I truly live to celebrate black life. And I'm excited that on this show that we are able to make space, even with the unassociated ministry, that we are able to make space to celebrate blackness and to celebrate our blackness and our identity in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. I know this is a podcast, but we're going to treat it like church. I need y'all to talk back to me. (laughs) Amen. And amen. So, Today, I just want to allow this episode to be one of a testimony of resilience and encouragement to others and a an anthem, really. Though we have, as Black folks, have endured tribulation and trauma and trials, God does not leave us. 
God can still use us. And if we are willing to give him a yes, he will show us and he will bring us through. There are so many questions as to why so many things happened to us as black people in the world. I can't say that I have the answer to everything, but what I can say is that we serve a God, serve a God that has never left us. We serve a God that continues to deliver us generation after generation after generation. And so today I want to share a the life story of one of the greatest American heroes that this country has ever known. Maybe an American hero that we don't call an American hero simply because this is a black man. But today we are going to um, celebrate the life of Frederick Douglass. Now, one thing before we get into his life, I want to give just a little bit of context that... Us, hmm, how do I do this? Okay, so I guess I won't go, hmm. I want to bring it to, let's say, 1619. Now we are on American soil. In, another, in a later episode this month, I'll reach back through the Middle Passage and the Mafa, and we can talk about that. But now we are on American soil. Now our people have been enslaved, right? And just yesterday, I shared with my class on the the, the powerful movement of, of enslavement and how traumatic it was, and how tragic it was. When we think about the transatlantic slave trade, we understand that it was brutal. We we understand that many lives were lost in transit, and that being on American soil, wherever that Africans were dispersed when we talk about the African diaspora, which is simply the dispersal of Africans around the world. And when we think about Africans being in places we're going to bring it to the U.S. context, the Southeast region, and they have been separated from their families and they have been beaten and both men and women have been raped on the plantation and they have been scorned and they have been buked and all of these things. It can make your mind go crazy. It can make you fall into depression. It can cause you to be suicidal. It can make you say, is life even worth living? But there was God. And there still is God. And many enslaved men and women adapted to Christianity. And many enslaved men and women began to lean and to trust on God and depend on God. For many cases, he's seen them through. Many cases, he's seen them through. And today, I want to talk about one of those cases. Frederick Douglass, a believer, a man that leaned and depended on God. Because one thing about our faith, 
one thing about our faith and the faith that our ancestors carried, there was a eschatological yearning for heaven. It was a hope that even though we are experiencing torment and evil of this world, that we understand that there is a God And that God will judge this world and God will judge the slave traders and the slave masters and those that were a part of this evil exchange. He will judge them and he will call us home to him and that this is not the end for us. But there is more after life on this side of heaven. Amen. And so when we when we learn when we know about Frederick Douglass, I want to bring the de- the details to his life because I certainly believe certainly believe that details make the person. Details make the experience. Details is what really causes the story or someone's life or testimony to come alive. And so I want to restore the humanity into our ancestors. Um, Frederick Douglass, born 1817 or 1818, we don't know. Why? Because a lot of enslaved people didn't have birth certificates. That was just a part of the trade. They took your humanity, and so it doesn't matter when you're born. It just matters if you're built and if you're able to work this field. So born 1817 or 1818 in Maryland, his mother was an enslaved woman, um, and his father was rumored to be the slave master. That was common that slave masters would um, sexually abuse both men and women. They would impregnate women and the women would bear their children. Um, but those children would and then indeed become slaves of that particular plantation. Now, Frederick was separated from his mother. Another common thing that we found in slavery You could be placed on one plantation and your mother could be placed on another plantation in a different state. The trade did not keep families together, but it did, in fact, rip families apart intentionally. Now, as a young um, boy, um, Frederick's slave master's wife y'all following um Sophia Ald Sophia Ald was a woman who began to teach Frederick how to read she taught him the alphabet and little words here and there um but for some context it was illegal it was a law in this country that black folks could not learn how to read or write you could be dismembered they would cut your fingers off your arms off your legs off if you were caught knowing how to read or write, or they would kill you. Why? Because knowledge is power. And when you have access power through literacy, then you're no longer fit to be a slave. We'll get there in a minute. So Sophia Ald is teaching Frederick Douglass how to read, how to write, and all of these things. And her husband catches wind that this little black boy is, is, is learning from his wife literacy. And he shuts it all the way down. And he says, if you teach him how to read, there will be no keeping him and it will forever unfit him to be a slave. I'm going to read that one more time. His slave master said, if you teach him how to read, there will be no keeping him. It will forever unfit him 
to be a slave. Why did he say that? Because he knew literacy, knowledge, it's power. And to empower an enslaved person does not make them fit. Willie Lynch, which was a notable slave um, master, trainer, often said, take the mind, keep the body. Because if you take their mind and use the body, then you're able to get out of them what you want, which is the labor. But if they are able to keep their mind, then they're able to keep their decision-making. They're able to rule out evil versus righteousness. They're able to then read their Bible. And reading your Bible as an enslaved person is liberating because once they learned the story of Exodus, baby, it was on and popping. You mean to tell me there was chattel slavery in the Bible? And y'all wasn't preaching to us about this? Because a lot of the slave owners took Exodus out the Bible. But when they learned to read, it became liberating. Y'all, I'm getting happy. Let me get on with this man's life. And so he says, if you teach him how to read, he will forever be unfit to be a slave. And so Sophia Auld stopped the, the, the lessons. But Frederick took what he learned, took what he knew, and started to teach other enslaved people how to read. Now, at this point, Frederick is traded from one plantation to another. He's placed on the plantation to where Edward Covey is the the slave owner. Now, this man was known as a slave breaker. That means he would traumatize and abuse um, enslaved folks to no end. He was known for that. I mean, imagine being known for breaking somebody mentally and physically. That's just beyond me. But in 1833, um, Covey had beat Frederick Douglass so bad to where his head started bleeding. And it was in that moment that he said, you know what? Enough is enough. We're not doing this. And so the next time Covey came for Douglass, Douglass whooped his butt up and down that plantation. But let me tell you, after you whoop the butt of your slave owner, you got to run. You can't stay there because now you're a threat. Now your life is at stake. Now, in Frederick Douglass' attempt to run, he meets this beautiful black woman. Salute to all the beautiful black women out there by the name of Anna Murray. Anna Murray later on married Frederick Douglass in 1833. But Anna Murray was instrumental in his escape. We don't oftentimes hear the stories of the unsung heroes such as black women, but black women were the motor to many of the movements, to all of the movements that we see historically. Anna Murray was a free woman, so she wasn't enslaved, but she was indeed free. Anna Murray was the one who got the plan together and strategized his escape from Maryland to Massachusetts. She got the maps. 
she got gave him the money. She also even gave him the disguise. In this instance, it was a sailor's outfit, a sailor's uniform. And so he was able to take a day's trip from Maryland to Massachusetts. During that time, Anna Murray held their family down, y'all. She held them down financially, emotionally, until he was able to get on his feet. Now, as an uh, as a educated black man, as a black man intellectual, he began his own newspaper called the North Star. He partnered with Martin Delaney, which who was a physician and an abolitionist and a, a civil rights activist that was against slavery. And so Frederick Douglass would write in this newspaper along with Delaney, advocating for black people, advocating for women's rights, and even against slave laws. Now let's park it for a minute, y'all. First of all, he ran away. Second of all, now he's creating a newspaper with anti-slavery rhetoric. Third, he's out giving speeches out here in these streets about anti-slave rhetoric and he's a runaway. Talk about bold. But it was his boldness. It was his confidence in God that he was able to do this. And I say it was his confidence in God because Frederick Douglass said himself that God sent him to do this work. God allowed him, one, to survive slavery. Many people didn't survive slavery. But two, to bless him with an opportunity to become literate, to write a news, to start a newspaper and to develop speech skills. That ain't nothing but God. He knew, and he oftentimes said in his own writing that he believed that God could restore America. He believed that God was more powerful than the government, more powerful than the Supreme Court, more powerful than white supremacy and oppressive systems. He believed God's power was greater than that. And God used him, saints. He truly used him. God knew, he said that he believed that God used him to liberate his people. Now, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, we are doing, giving, giving a little history lesson right here. Abraham Lincoln is our president at the time. And Frederick Douglass now is in his Oval Office. We're going to take a pause for the cause because how do you become, how did you get from the plantation to the White House? How did you get from the field to the over office? That ain't nothing but God. So now he is sitting in high places with one of the highest forms of leadership in our country, the president of the United States. And as a black man, as a black man that is confident and that is, as a black man that has been advocating for black ontology all of this time, he says, Mr. President, yes, emancipation is on your list of, of to-dos, but I need you to bring emancipation to the priority, to the top of your list. And Frederick Douglass 
put the pressure on Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln didn't wake up and, and say, oh, I just, I just want to free all black people. In fact, he owned slaves, enslaved people, excuse me. He owned enslaved people. It was the pressure and the advocacy of a black man, Frederick Douglass, to put it on the president to make emancipation a priority. As a result, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, making it illegal for slavery. This here was monumental. I don't know how long it would have taken if Frederick Douglass wasn't in that old office. I don't know if 1863 to 1865 would have happened if he wasn't in position to be used. And so today I just want to celebrate what God has done for our people, for the hope that we were we were able to lean on him in hard times, in traumatic times. And I want to say this before anybody believes that God was pleased with everything that happened to us as a people. It was not pleasing to God. That was not God's desire for us. But because we live in a world full of sin, because we live in a fallen world, chattel slavery was a part of our history. But God has been holding our hand through every step of the way. So I hope this 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 episode of resilience and deliverance encouraged somebody today. I hope that you leave this episode empowered that your ancestors believed and leaned on the Lord. That they fought, that they prayed, that they sought, that they preached, that they proclaimed, that they educated themselves even if it cost their lives. So that we can sit here, so that we can be here to tell the story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, we adore you. You're such a good God, such an amazing wonder. We thank you, Lord, for being with us every step of the way. We thank you for those that leaned on you so that we can lean on you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I pray that this blesses somebody that it encouraged someone and strengthened someone to, to continue to lean on you even through adversity. Pray that you strengthen our resilient um, nature to depend on you and that you are glorified in all things. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. That is the word for this week. I hope you enjoyed a Black History lesson or a sermon or culmination of them both. Happy Black History, y'all. And until next time, be blessed.